Hello and welcome to Helios Blog. My name is Helios here for another reaction video. Today, Jordan Peterson talks about the simple reason 90% of men are lost in life. Let's get into it. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. Question. Well, first of all, the women are doing better. So it might just be a matter of the fact that it does better for people who aren't doing as well. And at the moment, most of them are men. I don't Indeed. believe, I think that might be part of it, but I don't believe that's all of it. I think that part of the reason that women are doing better is because they're agreeable. And so if a system sets out a structure and says, here's a pathway to attainment, the women won't rebel against that. They'll go along with it. And that's working very well for them at the moment. The men, especially the men on the disagreeable end of the distribution, and there's way more men on the disagreeable end of the distribution than there are women, right? That's what you get from, if you look at overlapping normal distributions. So there's the male distri female distribution for agreeableness, male distribution for agreeableness, tremendous overlap. Okay, women are higher. All the really agreeable people are women. All the really disagreeable people are men. And maybe the real differences occur at the extremes, right? So, and it's, it's a very interesting side effect of overlapping distribution. People can be mostly the same, but that can still produce radical differences. Disagreeable men won't do anything they don't want to do. They just say, up yours. I'll go home and play video games. And I'm not listening to your stupid classes. And why should I work for you? I'll just go have fun. I'll do my own thing. I don't think they're motivated. And so then if you take the men who are like that and you say, okay, what do you want? You can have what you want, but you have to figure out what it is. So then they write down what they want. And they think, oh, hey, well, that might be worth having. So maybe I'll put some effort into it. That's what it looks like to me. Now so there you go. Disagreeable men, which there are more disagreeable men than there are women. They just don't want to listen to. But again... I don't believe so much that the reason why there aren't as many men in university as women is because women are more agreeable. I actually disagree with that. I think the reason is because since 1960 to now, men have been taught that they're pathetic, they're weak, they can't do anything. Women are the boss and you just sit in the corner and listen. School doesn't teach men to be men. In fact, it discourages masculinity in basically all aspects. And men have to unlearn all of that poor teaching and relearn how to be masculine. Like, before they can get started. They start at a disadvantage. And not only this, uh, there's more. Um, men mature slower than women. So women have an advantage. And more than this, there are literally quota programs at universities that only target women and not men. So as a man, even though men are disfavored for entering university, right? Like many more women than men in 2023 are getting into university. Doesn't matter. There's still quotas for women and not for men. So what does that tell you? The system is unfairly pushing women into the forefront and rewarding them. It's not an equal system. It's a system where basically hypergamy, right? Only the best men get a chance and the rest of the men are invisible. The quotas are there for women, not for men. So it, the work is even harder for men to get into university is the idea. All right, shilling time. Drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom M. Link is in the description. Just click on more. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe. 
Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash the Helios blog. Buy my books at bit.ly slash Helios books. Okay, shitting over. Let's continue. Now, you know, that's weak evidence, and this is a weak argument, but I'm trying to stretch out my understanding to account for this, but I'll tell you something else that's really weird. I don't understand this either. More than 90% of the people who watch my videos on YouTube are men. Now, that's weird because about 80% of psychology students are women. So that is not what you would expect, right? You'd expect that the majority of them would be women. And you might say, well, it's because of the political stance I've taken. And I thought, well, that's possible. So I went and looked at the demographic data because I have that. Well, before I did any of the political videos, 85% of my viewers were men. So it's actually increased a bit. It's increased by 6%. And that's not trivial, but it was still overwhelmingly men. So So ironically... Once Jordan took a more aggressive political stance, when Jordan became more um, controversial, more women actually watched his videos. Interesting. Well, that was interesting. I thought, what the hell? Why is that exactly? And then now I've been watching crowds when I've been talking to them and the crowds that have come to see me in person. This happened at the University of Toronto free speech debate. And I actually noticed it and commented on it before the debate took place because I was talking about intrinsic differences between men and women. And I looked around the room and I thought, hmm, hey, 80% of the people in this room are men. So I had all the women stand up and then all the men stand up. I said, look, like here's a natural experiment. For some reason, 80% of the people who showed up to this are men. Now, everybody thought I was kind of cracked to do that. And it was a risk. But I thought, no, there's something going on here. And then what's interesting now is that every public appearance that I've made that's related to the sort of topics that we're discussing is overwhelmingly men. It's like 85 to 90 percent. And so I thought, wow, that's weird. Like, what the hell's going on here exactly? And then the other thing I've noticed is that I've been talking a lot to the crowds that I've been talking to, not about rights, but about responsibility, right? What are you doing? You can't have the conversation about rights without the conversation about responsibility because your rights are my responsibility. That's what they are, technically. So you just can't have only half of that discussion. And we're only having half that discussion. And the question is, well, what the hell are you leaving out if you only have that half of the discussion? And the answer is, well, you're leaving out responsibility. And then the question is, well, what are you leaving out if you're leaving out responsibility? And the answer might be, well, maybe you're leaving out the meaning of life. So what's the point here? What Jordan is trying to say is that to be a man is to shoulder burden, to shoulder responsibility, which I'm inclined to agree. Uh, I just believe that society in 2023 should should reward men for shouldering more responsibility. And to some extent it does. Uh, the men that are conscientious, hardworking, they get rewarded in money. But the problem is this. They no longer in 2023 get rewarded for shouldering more responsibility with children. Because again, the top 5% of men are the only men that are that are seen. And the top 5%, when I'm talking about the top 5, I don't just mean in money. I mean in looks, in status, in all of it combined, right? So let's say that you're a man that makes a lot of money, but you're five foot eight. Well, most women will not consider you, right? So... Men are not being rewarded for what they used to be rewarded for. They're not being rewarded for being providers and for shouldering responsibility and for being hard workers and all of that. No. Now they're being rewarded for being successful on Tinder, which is basically being the top 5% in terms of looks. So women are not selecting based on money anymore and hard working and shouldering responsibility. Um, so what Jordan is trying to tell men is shoulder more responsibility and you'll have a better life. And that is old order thinking, right? That's that's thinking from like 1950 and it would work then, right? 
if you want to be a successful man, you need to be hardworking. You need to be responsible. You need to be, uh, you know, study hard and, and be competitive and all of that in the workplace. But nowadays in 2023, if you're competitive in the workplace, let's say you're the boss, you're the manager of like 30 people, 50 people, 100 people, whatever. You're the manager of 100 people, but you're, you know, overweight, zero chance with girls. You go on Tinder, you'll get nothing. You'll get no matches. Because nowadays, girls are strong and independent. They make their own money. They don't need that. They don't need... Uh, so so that guy, that manager of 100 people who's shouldering a ton of responsibility and is useful to society, he'll get a single mother at 35 who slept with, you know, 25 guys who are the top 5% on Tinder. And that's his consolation prize. Oh, and sometimes she even has two children. So... Jordan is saying, men, you're lost in life because you haven't shouldered enough responsibility. But I actually disagree. Uh, I disagree with this because if you want men to shoulder responsibility, then you need to reward that with what men want. And what do most men want? Well, what they want is to reproduce. So you can't have old order thinking without old order rewards. The old order rewards is hard-working, successful men get wives and children. Nowadays, they don't. They, they get nothing. Or they do get the wife and children in a starter marriage. She then divorces him, takes half his assets, basically has passive income, right? And with that passive income, the girl has a good life, teaches the children to hate the guy that she had the children with, goes with another guy, and now the, the woman effectively has two sources of income, one which is stolen from the man. That's option two. So why are men lost? Men are lost because men are valueless in, in 2023. They get nothing for their work, so why would they work? That's what it looks like to me. It's like, here you are, suffering away. What makes it worthwhile? Right? You, it's almost impossible to describe how bad an idea that is. Responsibility. That's what gives life meaning. It's like lift a load. Then you can tolerate yourself, right? Because look at you're useless, easily hurt, easily killed. Why should you have any self-respect? That's the, the story of the fall. Pick something up and carry it. Pick it's actually true. It's just, do you want to pick up the mess of a single mother because that makes you virtuous? No, right? What is the point of lifting these weights? What is the point of fighting this fight? What is the point of feeling this stress if all I get at the end of this road is a girl who thinks she's better than me? A girl who thinks she can command me. A girl who disrespects me. That's what men in 2023 are thinking. They're thinking, I don't get, where is my compensation for my work? Yes, you get money. But you don't get a family. You don't get married. You don't have children. You don't have a girlfriend that respects you. Because why? Because she has access to Tinder? She punches above a weight class in terms of men because of an online application. Who benefits from this? Well, only the owner of the application benefits. Women are destroyed in the long term. They end up with cats and boxed wine or divorces. Children end up 
you know, thrown aside, basically, um, and growing like weeds, and men end up in even more misery and pain. How is that okay? All right, let's read the article, uh, sorry, the, the chapter by Rodo Tomasi in his book, The Rational Mail. Final exam, navigating the bedroom fund marketplace. You know, there's really no substitute for graphs, charts, and the data plot maps. Human beings, as essentially a visually oriented species, see a graphic heads-up display, a God's eye view as it was, as essentially seeing the forest for the trees. You may not like being on a budget at home, but show a guy a graph of where all his money goes in a month and he'll feel better about not pissing it away for a peck on the cheek over the course of a couple weekends. So with this in mind that I took it upon myself to plot out a chronology of the little-known and far too underappreciated bedroom fund marketplace we presently find ourselves experiencing. Bloggers in the manosphere often use the SMP in a context which presumes that readers are already familiar with their mental model of it, understand the dynamics of the modern SMP. Personally, I think this presumption is fraught with individual bias, both intended and unintended. Make no mistake, I'm about to define the SMP and the bedroom fund market value from my own perspective but I fully recognize the want for defining these dynamics in a clear, understandable format. Can I graduate? At the time of this writing, it was about graduation time for many high school seniors, and with that comes a lot of pontification from adults who want to impart some grand words of wisdom to the next generation as they launch headlong into a future of student debt and or dismal employment prospects. This is a special time for parents and childless adults alike to reflect upon their own lives and ask themselves, what would I tell my younger self to do differently? and hope against hope that the 18-year-old they feel compelled to cast in the role of their younger selves would tell themselves away from texting their friends about what's going on uh, and who's going to buy their prom night liquor. So you'll have to forgive me for playing the professor here for a moment while I make the same vain attempt. Not long ago, I had a comment to tell me. Rolo, I just wanted to say that your stuff has been truly groundbreaking for me. This material should be a graduation requirement for all high school seniors. Well, far be it for Dr. Rolo J. Tomasi, Professor Emeritus, to be so remiss in his sacred charge of educating the next generation about the perils of the SMP. Challenge accepted. So please gather around the podium and listen. Navigating the SMP. Now, class, if you'll direct your attention to the display above, I'll explain the parameters. In the vertical column, we have bedroom fund market value based on the ubiquitous 10 scale. Professor Roy C. Emeritus at the Chateau Hartist did us all the good service elaborating upon individual bedroom fund market values for both men and women long ago. However, for our purposes today, it's important to note that the valuations I'm illustrating here are meant to encompass an overall bedroom fund market value based on both long-term and short-term breeding prospects, relational desirability, male provisioning capacity, female fertility, bedroom fund desirability and availability, etc., Your mileage may vary, but suffice to say that the 10 scale is meant to reflect an overall value as individuated for one sex by the other. Outliers will always be an element of any study, but the intent is to represent general averages here. On the horizontal metric, we have a timeline based on the age of the respective gender. I've broken this down into five uh, year increments, with notable ages represented for significant life-to-valuation phases for each gender to be detailed later. As an aside here, you may notice I began the SMV age range at 15. This is intentional as it's the baseline starting point for the average girl's mid-range desirability value as evaluated by the average high school boy of the same age. Also note will be the age range between 23 and 36, which represents the peak span years between the genders, also to be detailed later. Women's SMV. 
In various contexts, women SMV is without a doubt the most discussed topic in the manosphere. Try as we may, convincing a woman that a bedroom fund peak lays actually between 18 and 25 is always an effort in debating denial. For all the self-convincing attempts to redefine bedroom fund valuation to the contrary, SMV for women is ultimately decided by men, not by women. Thus, this bell curve is intended to represent the bedroom fund value of women based on men's metrics and not women's. As we continue along, we can see that the peak years for women's SMV tops out around 23. Fertility, desirability, bedroom fund availability, and really overall potential for male arousal and attention reach an apex between 22 to 24. Remember, this approximation isn't an estimate of personal worth, fidelity, intellect, character, or any metric beyond a baseline of desirability. Ladies, on average, this is your best year. I don't think I'm relating anything but the cold truth to your high brain. At no other phase in women's life will she enjoy more affirmation or legitimate male attention more zealously applied for her bedroom fund approval than this brief stretch. Once past the apex, every effort she spends on generating male arousal will be in an attempt to recapture the experience of this phase. Every post-apex pre-wall calorie woman will burn will be motivated by the memories of her SMV peak. By the age of 27, women's SMV decline has begun in earnest. This isn't to say that women can't remain stunningly attractive and vivacious in the post-peak years, but comparative to the next crop of 22 to 23-year-olds, the decline progressively becomes more evident. Competition for hypergamously suitable mates becomes more in- intensified with each passing year. The age between 27 and 30 are subliminally the most stressful for women as the realization sinks in that they must trade their party years short-term mating protocol for a long-term provisioning strategy. It's at this point that rationalizations of living a new life or getting right with herself begin to formulate, not as a, as a result of guilt or convincing, but rather as a function of relieving the anxieties associated with the new reality that she'll eventually no longer be able to compete effectively in the SMP. The writing's on the wall. Either she must establish her own security and provisioning or settle for as acceptable a provider as her present looks personal desirability, and bedroom fund agency will permit to secure a man's long-term provisioning. For men, it may seem dismally pessimistic to begin boys' SMV at so low a starting point of 15, but recall that we're looking at overall averages. A 15-year-old girl will look at an 18 to 20-year-old uh, man's bedroom fund approval as more valuable than that of a same-age peers. It's not that notable boys' attention are worthless, but they're far more mundane to a mid-teen girl. As men age, you can see that their SMV tends to level off during their 20s with a gradual rise up to age 30. This represents men's slow build SMV as they become more valuable by metrics of physical prowess, social gravity, status, maturity, affluence, influence, and hopefully dominance. It's a slow process and unfortunately, of a man's significant maturing to his SMV, most of it occurs while women are reaching their own SMV peak. Age 23, while a girl is enjoying her prime SMP value, a man is just beginning to make his own gradual ascent. By age 36, the average man has reached his own relative SMV apex. It's at this phase that his bedroom fund, social and professional appeal has reached maturity. Assuming he's maximized as much of his potential as possible, it's at this stage that women's hypergamous directives will find him most acceptable for a long-term investment. He's young enough to retain his physique, but old enough to have attained social and professional maturity. Comparative SMV in the peak span years. One important note here is to compare men and women's SMV decline. Women's SMV, being primarily based on the physical, has a much more precipitous decline than that of men's. 
whose decline is graduated upon a def- declining capacity to maintain his status as well as his health and looks. Saman's SMV is primarily rooted in his personal accomplishments. His SMV degradation has much more potential for preservation. Women's SMV burns hot and short, but men's burns slow and long. Now class, please address your attention to the critical 15 to 16 year span between a woman's peak SMV and that of men. It should come at no surprise that this span is generally the most socially tumultuous between the genders. The majority of first marriages take place here, single motherhood takes place here, advanced degrees, career establishments hitting the wall, and many other significant life events occur in this life stage. So it's with a profound sense of importance that we understand the SMV context and the SMP's influence as prescribed to each bedroom, uh, each gender's experience during this period. At age 30, men are just beginning to manifest some proto-awareness of their inherent bedroom fund value. While simultaneously women are becoming painfully aware of their marked inability to compete with their competitors indefinitely. This is the point of comparative SMVs, where both genders are situationally at about the same level of valuation. The conflict in this is that men are just beginning to realize their potential, while women must struggle with the decline of their own. This is the primary phase during which women must cash in their biological chips in the hope that the best men they can invest their hypergamy with will not be so aware of their innate SMV potential that they would choose a younger woman during a peak phase over her. Nothing is more threatening yet simultaneously attractive to a woman than a man who is aware of his own value. The confluence between both genders' comparative SMV is perhaps the most critical stage of life for feminine hypergamy. She must be able to keep him ignorant of his SMV potential long enough to optimize her hypergamy. And a man's a man's imperative is to maximize his own and not cash in too early. Let's continue. Pick, make it heavy enough so that you can think, yeah, well, useless as I am, at least I could move that from there to there. Well, what's really cool about that is that when I talk to these crowds about this, the men's eyes light up. And that's very, like, I've seen that phenomenon because I've been talking about this mythological material for a long time. And I can see when I'm watching crowds, people, their eyebrows lift, their eyes light up because I put something together for them. That's what mythological stories do. So I'm not taking responsibility for that. That's what the stories do. So I say the story and people go click, 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 you know, and their eyes light up. But this responsibility thing, that's a whole new order of this, is that young men are so hungry for that, it is unbelievable. And one of the things I've been talking to some of the people who've been running for the conservative leadership in Canada, and I've been talking to them about, well, the difficulties they have communicating with young people, because conservatives, what what the hell are they going to sell to young people, right? Because being conservative is something that happens when you're older. They can sell responsibility. No one's selling it. And the thing is, for men, there's nothing but responsibility. Well, here's the thing. Uh, before, he used to be convinced to be a soldier and go throw your life away for a stupid cause, but it did engender this idea of responsibility, that you are responsible for lifting up your part of the war, right? Now, of course, in the modern context, right, so many men are not responsible, but they're not responsible because they're not being rewarded for being responsible. And how can you be responsible when you're not rewarded for being responsible? It's, it seems ridiculous to me. So again, the call is for us to go back to the old system, right? The old system, I mean, it might start with arranged marriages, right? Because men know what men are good for their daughters, right? So having that arranged marriage system 
rewards actual good, hardworking, strong men who are capable of shouldering responsibility, the kind of men that would have solid children, good contributors for society. It rewards those men as opposed to, you know, the top 5% in looks on Tinder. Just a thought. I was watching The Simpsons the other day. I watched the first Simpsons episode and I deconstructed it. And so it's really interesting. So what happens in the first Simpson episode is that it's Christmas and Homer and Marge are going to buy some Christmas presents, but Homer doesn't get his Christmas bonus. And so he's absolutely crushed by that. And that actually is a recurring theme in The Simpsons where Homer loses his job or something like that or can't make enough money. He's completely crushed, even though he's kind of useless, bumbling, laughing fool of a guy. The thing that gives that show its soul is that he's still oriented towards his family. That's what makes him honorable, is that foolish as he is, he's decided to adopt responsibility for his family and to try to bear that. He's a holy fool. He's not a complete fool. And it's so interesting watching the story because he suffers dreadfully as a consequence of not being able to fulfill his responsibility. Well, that's for men. Women have their sets of responsibilities. They're not the same because they're complicated because women, of course, have to take primary responsibility for having infants at least, but then also for caring for them. They're structured differently than men for biological necessity, even if it's not a psychological issue, and it's also partly a psychological issue. Women know what they have to do. Men have to figure out what they have to do. And That's right. Exactly. Women are men must become. That's that's the idea. And it's true. If you want to be successful, you must become. You have to grow into your value. As I was reading in the Rational Mail there. Okay, uh, this is from Relationship Advice. Posted 10 hours ago. The guy is 32 and his wife is 27. She wants an open marriage. So my wife wants an open marriage. We've been married for five years. She wants me to get a girlfriend and for her to go out and do whatever. I'm not okay with this. We have three kids and a divorce would make everything so much harder, especially in this economy. I'm not okay with it, but I understand her reasoning. I want her to be happy and it'll probably happen one way or another. Cheating or what have you. It's really caused a rift in our marriage already, so damage has been done. I just don't want to see, I, I just don't see this working. She knows she's the one with the problem and she says she's sorry, but she just wants to be a person because she's a mom and a wife, but never got to be herself. Sorry ram- for rambling, but any advice on how to deal with this heartbreak would be appreciated. You married the wrong girl. That's it. She didn't. She doesn't feel that she optimized her hypergamy with you. That's the problem. You don't marry girls like this. You have fun with girls like this and drop them. Yeah. Top comment. Get a lawyer. She's already in an open marriage. Yeah. It's if she's pushing OP to get a girlfriend, it means that she already has a boyfriend and is looking to deflect guilt. That's it. All right, we're going to end the video there. New to the channel, liking the content, hit that sub, hit all for notifications. Go to my Patreon and subscribe, patreon.com slash theheliosblog. Again, it's patreon.com slash theheliosblog. Drop me a donation, like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom M. Just uh, go to more underneath the video. Buy my books at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. Take care of yourselves, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the end. And I will see you next time.